You're listening to the Digital Communicators Podcast, helping comms professionals stay one step ahead of all things digital and social media. Here are your hosts, Amanda, Raj, Mark, and Tim. Welcome to the Digital Communicators Podcast, the show dedicated to helping digital communications professionals elevate their social media game using the latest cutting-edge tools and techniques. In today's fast-paced world, where social media platforms are constantly evolving, it can be challenging for businesses to stay ahead of the game, but with the right strategies and tools, you can achieve outstanding results. At the heart of our podcast is the use of ChatGPT, a powerful language model that can generate human-like responses to a wide range of topics. Thanks for joining us. That intro was actually written by ChatGPT itself. And it's based on a question that we asked it, which was, can you help write an introduction for a podcast dedicated to helping digital communications professionals harness tools like ChatGPT to improve the performance of their social media activities, ideally in 250 words or less? And that's what came back to us, what I've just read out. It's fascinating. And testing new innovations, new progressions, advancements in technology like this is a really interesting learning experience. Guys, what did you think? Amanda, I'm going to throw to you first. What did you think about that, hearing it back? I thought it was really interesting. Um, as I was sort of listening to you read it, I thought, wow, you know, Roger's done a great job uh, prepping for this podcast. He's done a lot of work to to pull that together and um, then as I listen more I realized that it it sounds good it's got a layer of um, you know perhaps sort of a professional or um, like corporate or politeness that um, you know is kind of the the undercurrent of the intro rather than perhaps what you'd write naturally but yeah I think it's really interesting to be able to throw a question out there and, and have that work done for you. I mean, we're all busy, so um, it's really handy that it, it wrote our intro this morning. I wonder if uh, if we've lost our audience. Uh, you know, it is a long, <laughs> uh, a long diatribe of information produced by ChatGPT, but I get the point uh, why we're doing it. But to that point, I think it's really important that if we're using AI as a tool, then we still need that human interaction on it to look at what it's created, how we might manipulate it better, how we might turn it into something else that's even better for our end product. You know, Marty Cooper, uh, anyone know Marty Cooper? He was the father of the brick mobile. In 1973, he made a phone call on this giant uh, mobile phone, Motorola Dyna TAX or something like that. You know, he's still alive today and talking about the use of various internets created for different audiences. So I think in 1973, uh, who would have thought mobile technology uh, would be where it is today? Who would have thought that AI advancements are now taking over in leaps and bounds? So I think we've got to keep at the front of our mind the advancement of technology and how we use it better uh, for our own evil good. Yeah, just picking up on that, Mark. I, I think it's the intro is like slightly inauthentic. Yeah, it was kind of missing our voices. I think where ChatGPT, where I've seen it used really well, is you kind of, you kind of, uh, you harness it a bit more and so you like you you'll feed it documents which is in your voice or your tone of voice 
um, and then based on that, it'll write something. So if you, I think if you just get ChatGPT tuning something out, it's going to sound sort of that mundane corporate speak. But if you start feeding it documents you've written, emails you've written, um, your kind of voice, then suddenly you can use it in a much smarter way. I think that what we're raising here, which is these are all really good points and these are all questions I'm sure others in the communications profession are thinking about right now. And that is, yes, it might well save me time, but does that time saving justify a perhaps, you know, gap in quality or a gap in accuracy or a gap in authenticity? And to your point, Mark, I think one of the big things about have we lost our audience in the first one minute there, if I'd said do that in a hundred words, we may have got something a little sharper. So it's also the questions we're asking, the directions we're giving. And for me, these kind of advancements in technology are only as good as the strategies that sit behind them and the reasons why we use any of these things. There's no doubt that saved heaps of time, uh, but it's one of those things where in saving time, we've still got to make sure that we're asking the right questions. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because um... Uh, I was watching a, um, a video on chat P GPT the other day and uh, the guy put in a basic um, question, what is 10 plus 9? And it came back and it said 19. So he tried to push the system even more and he said, no, 10 plus 9 is 20. And chat GPT just agreed with it in the long run that 10 plus 9 was 20. So uh, to your point, Roger, about inaccuracy, uh, fact-checking, is really critical in this sort of thing. Um, and, you know, we've seen the demise of journalism largely, you know, um, that, that we don't have quality journalism in this country anymore. And I think that, that, that we run the risk of even dumbing down our content even more through these tools. Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting point, Mark. I, I think... Um how how it will be used going forward is interesting. I think how it will affect digital communicators is really interesting. I've seen people um, come up with complete social media schedules just using ChatGPT um, and social media posts, and um, I've seen them churn out like Excel spreadsheets. And so it's already starting to be used. The question is, can it be used to um, produce something good? But I, I feel like... Um, if you just ignore it, um, you, you'll probably get left behind. I was listening to a podcast um, just recently, and it's called Stories and Strategies for Public Relations and Marketing. And they had an episode, they have episodes where they feature kind of headlines and news from the industry. And they were talking about chat B, uh, GPT. And it was interesting because the discussion about quality of content was a really good one. And it is important. I think we don't want to lose quality of content, but that we're already in an environment where people are creating pretty average content um, because it's part of a strategy to sort of get your message out and, um, you know, share your expertise and, and kind of stake your claim in an area. And um, they were talking about the fact that a lot of um, media outlets now have, you know, lost staff and that several of them have been using AI to um, generate content for some time in order to kind of keep their readership, um, to keep churning out the content that people expect. And I think it is a challenge. Uh, I think um, it, it's maybe not possible for humans to do all of the written work that, you know, we require them to do or that audiences expect. And so I think that that hybrid model um, 
you know, of journalists potentially working with um, AI can could work well. Yeah, I saw recently, uh, Amanda, I don't know if you saw this, but um, BuzzFeed actually fired 10% of their staff and replaced them with GPT. So if, <laughs> and I guess it depends on task, but if you're just compiling top 10 lists of content to go viral on the internet, um, maybe AI can do, do that job just as well. I think we really need to broaden this conversation a bit too, because it's more than chat GPT. If you, mm. you can just turn to TikTok, uh, you know, the oldest TikTok user in the world, I am now. Um, but that's like, if you turn to TikTok and just see the amount of, you know, uh, stories in the feed about AI tools and what have you, uh, you know, there's some recurring ones which are really interesting. Um, you know, in terms of video production, I'm sure a core, the core part of our audience listening to this, um, were probably interested in video production too. So tools like Synthesia.io, um, you know, are doing amazing things. Like, you know, so no longer do you need to be a producer of video or a post producer of video. You just feed this information into it either via voice saying, I want, you know, and maybe you've got some collateral yourself that you can put into it. And it's it really is producing high quality, you know, social media style video. So um, there's, there's incredible tools out there that are dovetailing into chat GPT that I think really need to be explored as well. Yeah, I saw, Mark, one where you would feed it like a three to five minute video and it would, this is an AI, it would chop up like 10 TikTok style videos that would you know, go viral on TikTok. So the, the progression of AI is really just going leaps and bounds at the moment. So, so is it fair, guys, to say that, like, and we could literally go on for a long time about use cases and about different ways to kind of um, cut and repurpose and use this technology to either save time or to um, generate extra output in the case of if it's a BuzzFeed to replace your workforce. Like you could find any of these sorts of use cases if you want to. I think one of the questions that is worth exploring within that context, though, is yes, it's quality, but it's also risk. Like we, we live in an age where if you look at the most recent Edelman Trust Barometer that's come out and that comes out every year, we live in an age where distrust in institutions continues to head downwards rather than upwards. And particularly if you look at um, kind of mainstream media and, and you know, publishing platforms, if I can call them that, social media ranks the last on that list. And there's already concerns around you know things like deepfakes and disinformation and misinformation those things that have been around um, and really accelerated through um, uh, the COVID pandemic with things like this today what questions should comms practitioners be asking and particularly with a risk hat on and maybe a reputation hat on what things should people be wary about as in jumping into this stuff and exploring it getting good use cases out of it, but also not setting themselves up for failure. Do you guys have a view on that? I think... Well, just a, a quick view. Sorry. Just a quick view on that. If if you're going to fail with this sort of stuff, make sure that you fail fast. I know probably everyone's heard that before, but you, you, I think you need to explore the platforms. If you don't explore the platforms, you're doing yourself a disservice um, as a comms practitioner. You've got... As I said earlier on, you've got to see find ways of making it work for you more effectively, better, I suppose, and producing 
better comms, more streamlined, whatever it might be in the industry that you're working on. But you're not going to um, necessarily achieve that straight away. So I think that's about having discussions with your your peers and also your um, your bosses to say, we want to try this. Um, we might not get it right the first time. And if we don't, then we'll address it. So I, I reckon that's really important. Amanda. It's um, also, I think a few things to consider. It depends on which sort of AI you're using and there are a few available and they all kind of have their pros and cons. And, um, but you know, the way that they learn is from um, the data that you feed them. As Tim was reflecting on earlier, it can learn your style if you feed it more. And so I think just a general awareness of, you know, the fact that the content that you share um, is helping the learning of others, which can be great, but um, you need to be careful that it's not sort of personal information or perhaps, um, you know, corporate um, kind of privileged information, um, you know, in confidence type information that you wouldn't want to share more broadly. If it relates to your, you know, personal intellectual property or your business property, um, I think that you need to be um, kind of a little bit risk averse around that until we learn more about um, what the impacts of sharing that is. And I think as well, um, it just related to reputation that really, um, you know, our our reputation as communicators is sort of staked on the, the content that we produce in whatever format, I, I think, um, and the quality of that and the accuracy of that. So um, I think always putting your own personal human lens to whatever you're working uh, whatever you're using AI for is is critical. So what one of the things I've been thinking about just along those lines, Amanda, is one of the common scenarios from my world is that people talk about the difficulty with getting executives to sit down and write long form content. And so you can imagine when something like this comes along, and as you're saying, you can continue to feed it information, past speeches, things that that person has written, whatever it is, you can give stimulus to the tool in order to craft something on a given topic. Case in point, International Women's Day. How many people out there are probably thinking about this, this and saying, whether it's verbatim, word for word, or maybe it's just stimulus for the start of a piece of content. Sitting down there and saying, well, here's my executive's voice. Um, you know, please go and write something quickly and easily so that I don't have to labor over it for hours and hours and hours. And then they come back with a product. Now, that may well be fine. And the level of personalization, as you said, not secretive or private information, but personalization in terms of words and nuance and all that sort of stuff that goes into it makes it somewhat realistic. My concern is if that's where the conversation ends, then we've missed the point of digital communication and we've missed the point of ongoing engagement. This is not a one-way street. This is not a broadcast medium. The whole purpose and benefit of digital comms, in my view, is the two-way exchange, is the interaction, is the engagement that you get with audiences. So if communications professionals around the globe and going, this is outstanding, I can just outsource my ideation process and, and get things to a point where there's a first draft, hot tip, what's not going to slow down and what still requires your attention is the authentic engagement that happens off the back of any content you post and off the back of any community conversations that you want to participate in. I would not be outsourcing that to any form of AI just yet. I was going to say, Roger, that you can just create a chat bot to engage in the comments for you, um, which would be handy <laughs> at least so that burden. Um, but I think there's a couple of opportunities that I've sort of thought of in my reading of just, um, yeah, how, how AI can be used more broadly and, um, you know, some of the, the 
parts of our work as digital communication professionals that we struggle with, I think at times is, um, you know, measurement and, and the, um, having the time to analyze the analytics that come from, um, the various platforms. And I think the ability to automate some of that, to pull in masses of data and kind of to summarize and distill that, um, and then bring your own lens to it, of course. But, um, it, yeah, I think that it can take kind of complex questions and complex data sets and help you understand it a bit more clearly, which is something that, you know, a lot of teams don't have time to do. And that's perhaps an opportunity for digital communication professionals. Do you, do you think there's a slight nuance there, Amanda, in terms of the questions or the starting point for that? So I completely agree with you. Um, that would be hugely helpful and it would speed up time. And as you say, it would probably give you access to insights that you otherwise wouldn't get access to because you wouldn't make the time for it. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that's going to save you time. It's also going to actually deliver extra insight you wouldn't be getting. But if the starting point for that outcome is we clearly have a gap within our um, you know, ongoing um, BAU analytics insights engine and we're not either harnessing that information, we're not using that information, whatever it is, could AI help fill that gap? Brilliant. If your starting point is, We've got this thing, we've got this tool, what could it do? That's my concern is, is starting with the end in mind and then working up a, a solution trying to find a problem rather than a problem with a potential solution. Just on that point, Roger, I, I know you were trying a few things out with ChatGPT and one of the things you did was you made it right a social media policy. Now, I'm sure everyone in digital comms or social would have written a social media policy and you've probably gone and googled other social media policies and looked at what other people have done and then come up with a very generic policy. I, I was actually astounded by the one that generated because it did kind of cover all the things that you would generally put in a policy document like that. Um, so I think I think the risk is you just use the AI to deliver work. I don't think that is going to work at all. Um, but it might assist in in things that uh, are fairly generic, like social media policies, and then you can sort of polish it and, and personalise it for your own workforce. I think we also need to uh, look more broadly at community standards around all this. So if you take education, for example, you know, schools are already talking about banning um, AI now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that uh, once you start banning new technologies, new uh, ideas and, and processes, then you dumb down the education system. That's a different debate entirely. But I do think that we need to look at community standards broadly across artificial intelligence and how we use it for industry, in education, in our industries too, and what have you. So already bigger companies are starting to look at AI, you know, and, and have been using AI regularly for automation and what have you. So, you know, no one even thinks about this. It's only because, you know, we're talking about creativity that there is, a, there is some sort of huge discussion around it. So, uh, but, I, but I do think in certain areas we, we've got to have a considered discussion about how we use it and what the standards are around it. I think you're right, Mark. And I also, I think that extends to, you know, the ongoing conversation around ethics in AI and the idea of unconscious bias. And, and I'm just, as you got, as you're talking then, I'm kind of going back and I'm thinking, you know, take that leader example again. If someone has always viewed the world a certain way and someone has always written in a certain way and drawn on the same information sources, well, if you outsource that or you feed any kind of AI with that information to then write your next piece, it's only drawing from how you saw the world. 
not how you might see the world in the future. And I think that's really important because it then narrows, collectively it would narrow our focus, it would narrow our viewpoint of the world. And that's dangerous because it's not actually bringing in new input, it's not bringing in new community voices, new perspectives that we're perhaps closed off to in the world that we did know, when we really should be continuing to learn and be exposed to new information to broaden that perspective and, and ideally create a more diverse and inclusive dialogue. It's interesting because I think, you know, people have used ghostwriters um, since, you know, writing was a thing in order to help them articulate perhaps what they couldn't themselves. And now we're using technology to do that. We sort of have a, um, you know, that fear of um, they're going to take my, my job and so much online about chat GPT and other AI at the moment is about taking my job and in a way that as I was reading it I just couldn't help but have um you know that South Park episode in my head um you know that it just really kind of made me laugh um and that it is definitely worth thinking about how new technologies are going to impact our jobs but you know in something as critical to human functioning as communication I don't think we'll ever be fully replaced by AI so I'm not too worried about that but I do think, um, you know, it's really exciting that businesses and um, academia are starting to explore AI more deeply now that it's become more widely available. I think it was in the realm previously of bigger corporations that could perhaps afford it and that it presents really good opportunities for things like um, research. I mean, I did um, a master's a couple of years ago and the ability to kind of type in some questions and say, hey, who else has done some work in this area? and you know, provide me with some, um, you know, setting some boundaries that saying, you know, can present me some examples of where this has occurred or where it hasn't would be so helpful. And it doesn't mean that it does your work for you. It just is helping sift through the masses of data online, which is a, a huge um, kind of workload for people that are doing research and for students. But government agencies um, and, you know, big businesses have used chatbots for some time um, to have interactions with people to sort of save time, answer frequently asked questions. And for me, the difference, I think, as I was listening to you um, speak, Mark and Roger, is about, I guess, that transparency. I think humans are, are happy to interact with a chatbot um, or with AI when they know it's AI. I think trying to pass off um, the work of AI, you know, completely as your own is um, where the lines begin to blur for me. I think if you can say that this content was produced with support from AI, for example, um, just provides that transparency that helps you maintain trust. Um, and I don't think people are kind of wary that it's not right if it's written by AI, but um, yeah, I think that, that having that transparency is sort of an important marker for me. Can I just throw a question out there? So imagine a scenario, you've got a senior leader um, at a big company um, they have a LinkedIn profile. The comms team writes all their articles, writes all their social media posts and basically runs the profile. And then you get ChatGPT to do exactly the same thing. Um, aren't both things inauthentic because it's not really that person who's, whose voice it is or who's producing the material? Couldn't agree more, Tim. In fact, before you spoke, I was going to say exactly the same thing. For me, that's an inauthentic voice. So in every organisation I've worked uh, with, I've been involved in social media, it's about encouraging the executive, they'll say, too busy to do you know, enterprise social media or LinkedIn or whatever. No, you're not. If you pick up your kid, um, you know, in your car, 
Uh, you've got 15 minutes to sit there and do something and what have you. Use your voice. Use it because that is much more honest and provides much more integrity to the organisation than a chat BT or a ghostwriter, as you mentioned, Amanda. So I, I don't disagree with anything you said. And please, you guys know this, but anyone listening, I am probably the, the most proudest card-carrying member of the Use Your Authentic Voice Club. So that's not, that's not a question. I firmly believe leaders need to make the time, Mark. However, I will challenge the idea of is it more inauthentic? Because if we're going to measure authenticity, the one thing, or is it, is it the same level of inauthenticity, Tim? Because the, the one thing that is different is a comms team. Ideally, anyone who is ghostwriting, ideally, is challenging and questioning back to a leader about their views, why something should be presented a certain way, why something should be written, what is your story that sits behind that, how can you bring your own personal experience into this conversation, how can you reflect what you've heard on the grapevine in this conversation or in this particular post. That is the job of a good communications practitioner and ghostwriter is to understand the context of the person they're writing on behalf. So I do want to challenge that because even though, yes, absolutely, number one, the best approach is people speaking themselves in their own voice with their own fingers tapping the keyboard, particularly for response and engagement, I will say that I think there's probably slightly more authenticity that comes from challenging the source rather than just taking the direction from the source. Yeah, I guess it really depends on, on what's being written and what's being said, Roger. So if it's in the moment, you know, I want the leaders to be there and doing it and what have you. I don't want a enterprise social network post being written by a comms person, being signed off by two other people, then going to the executive because basically your event, your moment is gone. So it defeats the purpose of social media. So, and there and there are other things, of course, that you're, I'm sure you're referencing like speech writing and what have you, which is a very different thing that does take time and goes through approval processes. But if we're talking about in the moment social media, then, you know, I want the executive right there doing it and anyone else for that matter. So should we be worried about the leaders taking our jobs if uh, they're going to start writing their own posts? We'll all be out in our ear. <laughs> um, You'll never be out of a job, Amanda. <laughs> one, one, thing, one thing that I, I was thinking of as well as we were chatting is, um, you know, we all lead teams and, and have led teams. And I just was reflecting on, you know, in the next 10 years or so, as we start to lead um, others that are leaving university perhaps leaving school and coming to join industry you know their experience of work and study and using ai is going to be so different to our own um you know coming at it kind of you know in the middle of our careers and so um i think being open to the opportunities and uh you know providing opportunities for the people that work with us to explore new technologies to feed our work is exciting and it doesn't mean that it has to become the solution for everything but I, some of the messaging I've seen around universities and, and schools um, looking to ban AI and, and, and then others seeking to embrace it in order to support students to operate in the real world, um, you know, it is really interesting. I think there's sort of a snap reaction to we think this could result in plagiarism so we won't use it rather than um, trying to educate people on how to use it effectively in ways that can be you know, really powerful. So, 
plagiarism's been around though for hundreds of years, hasn't it? But so, um, you know, I, I worked on a typewriter when I went to school. Um, if I wanted to plagiarise, I would have taken the slabs of text out of a textbook and put it into an essay or something like that. So it's only a modern form of plagiarism. And if a student or anyone like that is going to plagiarise, it's to their detriment eventually. And, and surely to Amanda's point earlier, basically what we're saying here is any school or educational institution that's using this is no doubt cottoned on that they can just feed students essays into the system and say is this plagiarized <laughs> chapter gpt tell me the answer i i'm wondering though like for the for the purposes of people listening you know is it is it helpful is it valuable to try and distill what we're saying here because i think that point's a really key one amanda let's not shut ourselves off to the potential um but there is a spectrum between what could this do versus is it the answer to all our problems? So I suppose I'm wondering, um, yeah, how, how can we distill some of this stuff down and give people practical takeaways? Yeah, I would say if we take an example of, say, a car manufacturer um, and they've used automation to replace people who used to do that job um, and that's become more efficient, um, I don't think we, we should value ourselves and <laughs> the communication we do and think that we can be foolproof um, in this scenario. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to just completely discount it and not look at it. Um, I think we've discussed some of the risks, but I think you definitely have to, I think it's something to keep an eye on. It's something to have a look at, see, see what other um, communication teams and people, how they're using it. And it will obviously develop. Like ChatGPT was a major game changer because it was funneling in such a huge amount of information and could write material. Um, but I, it's still obviously, as we've said, not authentic yet or, or really giving a, 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 a human voice um, that people connect with. But it could be a great research tool. It could be something to generate ideas. It could be, you know, something where you can use it at this stage. But let's... Let's not think like if 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 we think eighty percent of a lot of the corporate communication is is just standard stuff that can be churned out, and ChatGPT does that, then let's not to be too precious about the work we do. Is my sort of view from over here? Yeah, and I wonder, Roger um, Etel, whether it's uh, worthwhile asking our audience who are listening to this what their thoughts are and whether they want to feed back to us. Um, how they're potentially thinking about uh, AI or if they're using AI or, or what organisations are saying because it's good for the four of us to sit around and collectively talk about this and research it and what have you, but there are a lot of people out there that we can probably get some ideas from as well, so I'd be interested in that. It's uh, Yeah, feedback would be um, brilliant and to hear about people's real-life experiences, either positive or negative, using um, AI for work would be would be great. Um, the I think that the nature of communication professionals at the moment, and particularly those working in digital and social media, is just you know being time poor. Um, the expectations about the the amount of content that you're supposed to generate, um, and the fact that you can sort of um, you know have more work. The more successful you are, the more work that you create for yourself in terms of feeding the audience but also you know spending time interacting with your audience which as roger said earlier is a critical part of you know social media interaction and so i think being able to automate some repetitive tasks that we're responsible for or even you know automating some of the lower value tasks could be really beneficial 
Um, and like one example could be, um, you know, that you've got a whole bunch of new products for an online store that you manage and you can use it to help generate, you know, product descriptions. So it could do the baseline of that for you. And then you are adapting that to, to suit the, the style of the shop that you run, for example. So, you know, in terms of all the communication activity that you do, those descriptions themselves might not be the thing that get people over the line. Maybe it is and you need to spend more time. But if it isn't, that's the kind of activity you could do so that you can focus on the strategy of, you know, how am I going to increase sales by interacting with this new audience and invest your brain time and planning time in to, at a more strategic level to support the work that you need to do. So that's kind of how I see it is it allows you to run at two tracks a bit, a bit better. You can automate the lower hanging fruit and operate at that higher level as time allows. And then, as I said earlier, I think if there's the opportunity to automate some um, of our measurement analytics or even use it to help us better benchmark across our industry with uh, other similar organizations, then that can be really helpful. I think we do, often don't understand how we're performing um, you know, uh, alongside others in terms of reaching audience and the engagement that we get. So that, that'd be my um, key use cases. I think that's, that's really good advice, Amanda. And I think, you know, communications practitioners by their nature are often, or perhaps the best ones are often very curious. And so I think exploring and, and playing around and learning and all that sort of stuff should come with the territory for them. But I'm actually gonna to point to some of the research you've done previously and say good judgment is one of the things that people value about communications practitioners. So knowing when something is or isn't a good idea, knowing when to or not to go down the rabbit hole is probably gonna be sage advice for people right now. So as you say, you're not wasting time exploring all these potential use cases, you're actually saving time to elevate your thinking to a different level. Who hasn't heard any social media manager or director or whoever over the past 10 years say, I wish I had more time for strategy. So if this is something that's going to help people do that, then absolutely more power to them to exercise that, that good judgment. So the, and the other thing, just to wrap up what, what you were saying to both Tim and Mark, I'd be really keen to keep learning from people's experiences, not just around AI too, for that matter, but also I think that's one of the things that we as a group do really well and something that I know we're all keen to expand to the broader communications community. If I can call it that. Um, hopefully people are listening to this in all different parts of the world, but certainly here in uh, Australia and, and what we're trying to do locally, I know we're all keen to do more regular catch-ups with people to get your insights. Those, those are virtual, by the way, to get their insights, to hear what's on their hearts and minds and, and to kind of stress test some of these things um, on a more regular basis. So Keep an eye out if you're listening for a more regular catch-up, virtual catch-up, which people can tune into um, to participate and actually share your questions and views in real time with others around the group, rather than listening to us talk all the time about what we feel is in the agenda. So is that is that a good spot to leave people? And, and hopefully there's a couple of really practical actions there. Um, it's one of those topics that won't go away. It's one of those topics that keeps reinventing itself, doesn't it? From the mobile phone, as you were saying, right back at the start, Mark, we had these same conversations at the start of social media. I would encourage everyone to look up the South Park YouTube clip of They Took Our Jobs. If you don't take something away from this conversation, um, then I, I, I greatly apologize because I think there's <laughs> a lot there. And 
as I said, we look forward to staying in contact online and hopefully chatting with you guys face-to-face -face very soon through the you know screens, of course. Awesome, guys. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for listening. If you valued today's conversation, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For more details on today's show or to get in touch, head to gdln.card with two rs.co or Google Government Digital Leaders Network.